read a scripture. It's 1 Corinthians 1, 3 through 9. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I will always thank God for you because of his grace given to you in Jesus Christ. For in him you have enriched, been enriched in every way. In all your speaking, in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed to you. Therefore, do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on that day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you to fellowship with the Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. Thank you, Fred. Welcome. Glad you're here with us. Uh, got quieter in here. I guess some of our wiggles and squeals left the room. Praise God that we have a church with wiggles and squeals. Um, thank you for joining us today in here. Maybe there's a few people in cars listening on the FM radio. You are most welcome as well. We are beginning a new series today in 1 Corinthians, and I'm kind of excited about it. Uh, but before we jump into that, I want to remind us again, uh, BP, thank you for that song, Step by Step. Uh, what are some baby steps we can be taking in learning to follow the Spirit, listen to the Holy Spirit, walk together with the Spirit? Because we want to be a people who are led by the Spirit. And uh, a few of the three takeaways that I ask you to remember. Oh, let me move it back. Do you remember what they are? <laughs> Invite. Make space. Act. Act on those little ideas of good things to do. Could be as simple as washing the dishes. Could be as simple as... I'm sorry, Alicia or Haley. It could be any little thing, ideas of good that you can be doing for others, prompts to be praying for other people. So really, uh, living a life led by the Spirit, it doesn't have to be rocket science. It's just these simple little steps toward good. It's amazing how many people don't think to invite the Spirit it's, uh, it's amazing all the places that we go filled with noise that we haven't learned to be still. And maybe that doesn't mean we're not doing... Uh, and by being still, it's just like not moving, not making sound, things like that. You know, a lot of the times I hear from the Lord, I feel like, are times while I'm engaged in other things. Uh, cutting the grass knitting, exercising maybe for people who exercise, doing your uh, routines of the day, maybe that time in the kitchen when it's, you're alone with that recipe you're trying to figure out. 
And the Lord will sneak up on us and he gives us good things that we can do. And we usually brush those thoughts aside. But rather than brushing them aside, ask for help recognizing them. And if it's something for good, trust that the Lord has got a hand in that somehow and that the Lord will use that. Okay. 1 Corinthians. I really like uh, this letter of 1 Corinthians because there's a whole lot here for us. Um, first, I'd like to invite you, bring a Bible along with you, your favorite translation. Uh, it doesn't have to be what I'm putting up here. The, what, the ones that you like to study and listen to and the words that are meaningful to you, go ahead and bring those so that you can follow along. We've been doing a lot of topical preaching. We talked about being led by the Spirit. Before that, we talked a long time about uh, the kingdom of God and living in the kingdom and power and resources that God's, God provides us. And uh, now we're going to be more uh, uh, just verse by verse. Um, and we're just going to be following the biblical text. So you might want to bring a Bible uh, along. And if you need a Bible, and there's one you find laying around, if, as long as it doesn't have someone's name on it, go ahead and take it. Number two, there are a lot of things related to uh, in-depth study of 1 Corinthians that I don't really have time to explore with us in a sermon context on a Sunday morning. Uh, so I think it should be in the bulletin this week, this invitation for, you know, for our parents to be uh, making the efforts to get their teens involved. Um, I'm so thankful for... Uh, Jonathan and Mackenzie stepping up in this role. It's been something we've been praying about for a long time in this church. And second, Wednesday nights, we're going to be able to jump into some things that we wouldn't normally be able to dig into on a Sunday morning. So um, I'm going to try to keep it to 25 minutes. We're going to have a little bit of devotional time, things like that. You know, a lot of times in the evenings, we're, we're spent from our days and uh, we're a little tired, but uh, for those who are interested in getting behind the issue and digging in a little bit, like if you want to know who in the world is Sosthenes, maybe you don't know who Sosthenes is. What a fun name to say. Rubber baby buggy bumpers, Sosthenes. Um, maybe you don't know that uh, 1 Corinthians isn't actually 1 Corinthians. Stuff like that. We'll be able to, we'll look at the historical context, the environment, the city of Corinth. We'll get to explore theological themes a little more than we've been able to. Wednesday nights, if you want, that would be great. But uh, if you can't come Wednesday nights, I said, you know, Sunday mornings, if this is all we have, praise God that we have this. I'm just so thankful for this room full of people today. Praise God for that. Uh, but find other ways to feed and sustain this relationship with the Lord, either in personal devotional times, prayer times with a, a spouse or friends or sibling. Uh, find ways to live a life filled with, with your Lord and Savior, not separate, like Jonathan was saying, in a little compartment called Sunday morning church. But what if our Sundays are just a part of our bigger picture and life and walk together with our Lord? 
I think we're called to that. And it's something that we won't fall into without some intentionality on our part. All right. So I think the church has loved 1 Corinthians because we know in this church in Corinth, these people are blessed, but these people are also messed up. They got issues. So when you hear uh, 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 the first century church or whatever, we're just trying to be the first century church, you know, going back to the simplicity of don't be first Corinthians. Be first Corinthians in the good things. But they're... Um, there are things that uh, they have to work through, some tough things. So uh, uh, what Paul gives us in this letter is uh, something that just gets us into all kinds of different themes. There's a lot of material in 1 Corinthians uh, that we don't get other places. And uh, it's, it's really helpful. Issues as diverse as marriage and singleness issues related to sexual conduct and immorality, idolatry, the use of spiritual gifts, uh, last things, uh, chapter 15 talking about resurrection, the wisdom of the world and its impact on the church, issues of pride, problems across socioeconomic lines between rich and poor, other kinds of problems that come. Uh, it, and that how it all relates to church unity. Uh, chapter 13, one of the most beautiful expositions on the nature of love and uh, just wonderful, wonderful stuff. So I think that's some of the diversity of what's covered is a reason why Christians throughout the ages have really dug into and studied and been blessed by 1 Corinthians. Well, uh, I'll just give us a basic framework of the letter, and you can commentators divide this out in a little bit different ways. Uh, this is from a guy named Paul Gardner. Uh, first, I like the name Paul, because Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, another Paul, and I like Gardner's, so uh, no, I thought he did a good outline for us. So we have this first section in chapter 1, verse 1 through 9, is an introduction. And then Paul gets immediately into some of the tough stuff, tough issues that this church is facing. His dismay over the lack of unity. And then a radically different perspective that we carry in the church because it's shaped by the cross. We are a cruciform people, and we need to live up to that and remember that. Uh, Pursue God's wisdom from chapter 2, 6 through 4, 21. A lack of spiritual wisdom allows grievous sin. You know, we play games. We, we, when we follow the wisdom of the world, the wisdom of the world is take care of yourself. Treat yourself. You can't depend on anyone else. You, it moves us away from community into the absurdity of isolation. Um, Issues surrounding marriage, celibacy, divorce, widowhood. Image uh, issues related to status, uh, knowledge, freedom, food offered to idols. You know, even that discussion, food offered to idols, you think, what in the world good can come out of that? I'm excited to get to that section, really. 
because the implications of that, uh, uh, of that conversation, it really is ap- applicable uh, to uh, our world today and the issues that we face, even in this congregation. Public worship, freedom, the use of gifts. Uh, this is the longest section in the Bible that talks about the resurrection and resurrection from the dead. And then the chapter 16, closing instructions and comments. And so there is a wealth, an absolute wealth of information available to us. So he who has ears, let them hear well. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all of those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. So Paul in some way uh, co-authored or worked together with Sosthenes Uh, for uh, writing this letter to the church in Corinth. And the themes that are addressed in this epistle are determined by the circumstances of the Corinthian church. They had obviously corresponded with Paul asking certain questions, and that brings up the content of what Paul addresses later. But also 1 Corinthians, and just this is the genius of the Holy Spirit at work, is using Paul to uh, deal with specific situations that, not, that apply to a specific church, and yet the benefit for the church universal across generations, uh, it's an amazing thing. This is a letter for us as well. There are things that we are meant to learn today as well. So Paul's correspondence with the Corinthians, it's really, we get to look under the hood of this church car and see what makes it run. Uh, We really, in 1 Corinthians, get an idea of the good and the bad and the ugly. Old Clint Eastwood movie, if you like Clint Eastwood. Sorry, that's just one of my out-of-date cultural references. We get to see the and uh, I don't want to shock any of you and I don't want to surprise any of you but some of you may have discovered that churches have issues it is the grace of God and our faith in Him that holds it all together. So immediately as we jump into this text, we notice that Paul is trying to elevate the conversation. He's helping them call to mind certain common ground that they share. And... uh, When he elevates the conversation, suddenly the scary issues that they have to talk about, the hard things that need to be said, 
they're not as scary anymore. We don't have to walk on eggshells as much anymore. So what Paul says here is clearly meant to elevate our vision and to bring awareness of who the true audience is. In these first nine verses, Paul mentions God six times, and then he also mentions Jesus eight times. So where's the focus? I mean, if you're just counting words, we are meant to elevate our vision to an awareness of God who sees and God who knows and a Jesus, a Lord and Savior, who says, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. When we remember that, we can face tough stuff. We can face the scary things. All right. So uh, Paul is helping us elevate our vision only in a context where we remember that we are together because God wills it. And will we remember what God has done to bring us this far? Uh, remember that God is good and that God is faithful. When we remember those things, what he's done for this church, for us individually, um, for us collectively, that we have the strength necessary in remembering this, this kind of perspective, that we can deal with the issues we face today in the Eugene Church of Christ. So Paul isn't just trying to butter up his audience. He's not trying to ingratiate himself in order to manipulate them. He's talking about a common ground and a common reality, one that these Christians know and have experienced. And Paul is appealing to the memory of that in order to uh, um, help us, help us step back and look at the issues we face with the common, uh, with the perspective that we've been given, the common ground that we stand on. Paul reminds everyone whose church this is to the church of God. It's God's church. And we'll find out about divisions and stuff later on. But Paul begins this way, I think, because we need to remember uh, the church doesn't belong to a particular group or a particular agenda. The church does not exist to do everything that you want or you think should be done. It belongs to God. And we're here because of God. Another way that Paul helps us focus the conversation is this idea of calling. So he mentions two different callings. The first one is Paul's own calling. He is an apostle because of Jesus Christ and what Christ did. And the, he has a job to do from Jesus Christ. And so he takes that authority on to be able to help churches, plant churches, and help them look at and deal honestly with tough issues that they're facing. So we have first this calling of Paul, but that's not the only calling. Paul refers to this other common calling of these Christians, to be the holy people of God. Can that characterize all of our interactions with one another? 
the holiness of God, if we live that holiness and truth, we can talk about anything. We can deal with anything from that perspective. Can we not? And this isn't just a calling for the Corinthian Christians. It's a calling for all of God's disciples everywhere. Everywhere in geography, everywhere in history, I would say. All of us who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's certain things that a calling helps us with. Let me just talk about callings a second. When we have a common task, it unites us. You know the churches that are floundering, the churches that are splitting, the churches that are fighting, the churches that are completely ineffective in this culture around them? They're the churches that have lost the vision of the mission of God. And when church stops being about the mission of God, it starts being about lesser things and less important things. But when we remember, and not just remember, when we act on this common ground, this common calling of responsibility, it unites us, it gives us strength. We have power to deal even with our own tough stuff, deal even with our differences of opinions and our different ideas. A calling gives purpose, it gives focus. It's a mission that we have been given collectively, not just an arm sitting on the ground, but a body united with Jesus Christ as our own head. A mutual calling, it creates unity. It is, in fact, the common ground that we share, that we have been given a mission and a job to do. A calling confers an identity. We are those who are called to be God's holy people. God's holy people. And it, it takes us a while to figure out something as intimate as our identity. And we need God's grace and God's help to do that. But calling, it gives identity. Mission gives identity. We are a people who are called to be holy. Awareness of who God is and what he's doing, awareness of our mutual calling in Christ Jesus, these are realities that ground us. They're solid ground, a place to stand among the currents of our culture and our world, among the currents and fickleness of our own hearts. This is bedrock. This is a strong foundation. Our mutual calling, it gives us perspective. It helps call us back to what is truly important and what's really meaningful. The most important thing is not you getting your own way. When, when we have a mission that we are working in and engaging in, that keeps a church from digressing into a giant Jerry Springer episode of fights and opinions and squeaky wheels that get the grease. 
And then Paul moves on to a common phrase that he uses. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is some of the brilliance of what Paul is doing here as well. This is prayer language. So the things that Paul has said already and the things that he's going to say, it's a reality grounded in prayer. It's a reality grounded in grace and peace. The peace that God can bring alone. So uh, it's a common enough phrase in the New Testament, and yet it is loaded with meaning. And I don't think uh, our English words of grace and peace, they don't really have the horsepower necessary to carry all the richness of what's intended here. Uh, Charis. Grace, it is divine favor. Grace, it includes uh, the forgiveness of sin through Christ. And yet grace, I believe, it's bigger than just atonement. Atonement is everything. But grace is, is, is bigger because it is everything that God does for us that we cannot do for ourselves. So it's not just sinners who need grace. We need grace as faithful Christians. We step out in faith, and unless grace is there to catch us, then our goose is cooked. Then we're in trouble. God's faithful people, they burn through grace. They live their life in stepping out in ways that God, they expect Him to act and to meet them. Peace, uh, maybe if you know the Hebrew, which is in Paul's background thinking, uh, the, the word shalom. So the sukuma in Tanzania they have a word like the word shalom, mola. Mola, mola ningi, mola ga yesu komoji. Mola is like total well-being. Total well-being. It's like the universe and everything in it is balanced. And I am in the middle of that balance. That's kind of, and it's like a crazy way to think, but what, just think about what Jesus said, uh, peace that passes understanding. This peace that we have, this shalom that we are invited to, it's total well-being. And it's a, it, it passes understanding. They are right with God. And when you are right with God, you can face all kinds of tough circumstances. You can face all kinds of challenges. You don't have to have your way because you know that God sees you and that God intends good for you. Can you trust that? I always thank my God for you. 
because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. Here's the, uh, the, the content of that grace that he's mentioning. For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Uh, enriched. I like the translation that says made rich in every way. You know how rich you are? We're not talking about just money. We're talking about real riches available to us, enriched in every way, made rich in every way. The spiritual gifts that were given to the Corinthian church, he mentions speech and knowledge, and later on, they deal with all kinds of gifts of the Spirit. These gifts are a clear sign that Christ is working among this group. Christ is there because look at the diversity of gifts that are given. But just because you have gifts doesn't mean you're doing everything right. We learned that lesson in 1 Corinthians as well. Just because you have a spiritual gift or a certain talent or an aptitude towards something, it doesn't mean you don't have things to learn. It doesn't mean that uh, you should be the one getting your way with this, that, or the other. It, you don't lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Gifts, they are a sign of God's continuing presence among us. They're wonderful. Thank you, Lord, for the gifts that you give your church. But they're a responsibility as well. And uh, everything that we need to be a faithful church, the Eugene Church of Christ here in this community, the Eugene Springfield area, and outlying districts we have everything we need to do the job God asks us to do you think about that and I sometimes I feel like it just is overwhelming and I think how are we gonna how do we deal in a world like ours today the, the trajectory of culture is against us I was listening to a, new, a news article about the decline in Christianity in America. And uh, it used to be uh, just a few decades ago that 90% of the population identified as Christian in some way. Today, it's closer to 60%. And it's going down that trajectory. And uh, people who are talking about this and writing about this, they are rejoicing at the fall of Christendom in some ways. And that's okay with me. I don't care if Christendom falls. I care about what the Lord, your God, is doing in your life and your heart. I care about His name being glorified. We might be a small group. We not, might not be large. The challenges we face are overwhelming. There are going to be days. It feels like we're fighting the, the fires of hell with a squirt gun. 
need to remember we've got everything we need. We've got it all. We have the resources of the kingdom of God available to us, ready for us. Do we have faith to access them? That's the question. The Spirit gives the body the gifts the body needs to do the job we've been called to do. Remember that we lack nothing. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Uh, this word blameless, maybe instead of that word, uh, another translation I like is unimpeachable. You want to know what it means to, for someone to be impeached? Have we heard that phrase before? Someone who's unimpeachable, they can't be removed from office. They can't be taken out by a vote. They can't be removed from their position. In this language, this uh, day of our Lord, the day of the Lord is a day where uh, justice is done. It's a day where wrongs are made right. It's a day of judgment. But because you have taken on Christ and because Christ takes on you, you're unimpeachable. Your position is not in doubt. Because you've made your stand with Jesus at your criminal trial, some of us got a, some of us got a pretty long rap sheet in the judgment. We're going to be there a while. We're going to be there a while? I'm going to be there a while. But the charges, the charges against us, they don't stick. If the glove don't fit, you must acquit. The charges don't stick. Nothing in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Unimpeachable, blameless, blameless. I can hardly imagine myself as innocent and blameless, but invites, it invites gratitude in my heart. And suddenly my failures become the smaller part and they're swallowed up in the beauty and the perfection of my Savior. And he washes me whiter than snow. The second phrase I want to point out here in this verse is God is faithful. God is faithful. We just kind of run through right past it like some kind of platitude. Or, but the reality that makes this all work, and if, if God is not faithful, we have nothing. But God is faithful. God is faithful. And when I remember the faithfulness of God, when I bank on the faithfulness of God, it frees me to be a different kind of disciple in this world. 
faithfulness of God is the glue holding this whole body together. It's keeping us on track. It's the Spirit of God working to unite us. So Paul is using the church in Corinth. He's got so many issues to deal with. But he's elevating the conversation to remind them of some important truths. And this bedrock, the faithfulness of God, so let's talk about these a minute. So we're wrapping up today. I just want to remind you uh, the reason why we have the strength uh, to deal with the tough stuff, the issues we face. Just in these first nine verses, here are a few of the things that Paul has given us. Why do we not have to be afraid to, t- to talk about our issues, to deal with our issues? First, This isn't your church. It's not Norm's church. It's not fill in the blank. It belongs to God. Remember that in the way you present your opinions and your ideas. This is a church that belongs first and foremost to God. Number two. We share a common identity. We have a mission that is supposed to unite us. And if we live up to and dive into that mission, it holds us together. A common identity we share. Number three, we are grounded in the reality of grace and peace. A place to stand that's bigger than our circumstances. Grace, everything that we need that we can't do for ourselves. The Lord supplies out of the richness of who He is. He is a God who gives gifts. We are a people showered in gifts. (coughs) The peace we have, it's not circumstantial. The stress at a job, strikes at warehouser, marital strife, kids who are not thriving and they're falling apart and our kids who are making bad choices and our hearts that are broken because we can't fix things. Loved ones who are just barely clinging to life. The issues that we face, we have a place to stand bigger than our circumstances, a peace that passes understanding. Number four, we've got a lot to be thankful for. I believe we have already been made rich in every way. Anything we're missing, God will supply. We just ask. And we wait for him to give it to us. And number five, the faithfulness of God will keep us standing firm so that we will stand blameless in Christ Jesus. It is the glue holding everything together, God's faithfulness. BP, I'm wrapping up so you can come up here. Many times... uh, 
Churches, they're afraid to deal with the tough issues they're facing. We know we have a diversity of opinion, opinions and ideas. We're going to talk about divisions and, and factions in the church next week. It's not a fun conversation. I'm a kind of a guy who's just like, can't we all just get along? And uh, I'm a kind of guy who would rather just not say anything and let things kind of simmer down and blow down rather than just jump in and say what needs to be said. But I've learned that some things need to be dealt with head on and we don't have to fear to have the tough conversations together. Um, A lot of times when it comes to this church community, we bring axes to grind, agendas that we hold. We're quick to label, we're quick to trample people who we view as being in our way or seeing things different, and we all know who they are, and I know who my people are. That kind of thinking, how that can poison. Many times our words, our words that are spoken, they're reactionary, They're not grounded in grace and peace. Many of the times uh, we we get into trouble because we we forget everything that, that God has done for us. We lack thanksgiving. And we have been given so much, but somehow we lack the confidence that God is gonna take care of our future needs as well. One of the saddest commentaries is all, of all is all the hardship and heartache that we face as individuals and church communities. We face a lot of difficult things because somewhere along the way we started to doubt that God is faithful and that God is working good and that God is going to take care of us. And when we remember God's faithfulness, we have wisdom, we have perspective, we have all the grace we need to deal with the tough stuff. Our church experience as a body, it's meant to be more than tiptoeing on eggshells. It's meant to be more than hushed whispers because of those among us who are ticking time bombs. It's meant to be more than fear of saying anything and we're all kind of walking on pins pins and needles because God moves us past all of those things. We don't have to sweep things under the rug. We don't have to be afraid to speak truth and love. He'll help us with all of that. And our church experience can move past our issues and into the mission of God. We're all dreaming together. We're sharing a dream and we're loving it. I love this, this psalm that was written so long ago that talks about this. We are like those who dreamed. Our mouths are filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. Then it is said, among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things 
for us. And we are filled with joy. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. That is what the faithfulness of God gives us. So if you have needs this morning to put on the Lord in baptism or would like the prayers of this church, um, we'd be happy to do that. You can meet me up front here while we stand and sing together.